Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of All the Hard Things. I am here with a special guest today. I have licensed clinical social worker here with me, Molly Bassa Bertolucci, and we are going to talk all about postpartum OCD. I This is actually really timely um, because I had a really significant event about five years ago to the day that happened yesterday. Um, so if any of you were present on my stories, and are listening to this in real time around September 18th of 2023. I had a big five-year milestone. My son now is five and a half years old-ish. And about five years ago, I was so low in my postpartum journey that I wanted to take my life. And that was a really awful time for me. And so every year around this time, I always make it a special note to just really process everything that kind of happened and how far I've come over the past five years. And every time that I share that story, I get just inundated with all of these personal stories and recollections of other women who have been there. I got a lot of women in my DMs yesterday saying that, oh my gosh, this is so relatable. I've never told anybody this, but I've had plans of that too. I'm so glad that I didn't end up going through with it. Another mom reached out to me and said that she had literally waited for her husband to go on a trip took her son to her mom's house and she packed up and she had plans, every intention to just run away. And she made it about 30 minutes before she realized that was not what she wanted to do. And so it just seems really timely that we're going to have this conversation right now because it is definitely something that we don't talk about. And like you said, Molly, in your email to me, it's just something that you were completely blindsided by. I would love to pass it off to you now, Molly. First, if you could just introduce yourself a little bit, give us a little bit of your backstory and then yeah, when did things really start to shift for you and get dark for you? Thanks, Jenna. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm Molly. I'm a therapist. I'm the founder of Poppy Therapy. I live in Long Beach, California with my family. And yes, totally blindsided by my really my entire post well, birth and postpartum experience. I am not an anxious person. Like I had never experienced anxiety before my first daughter was born. I'm naturally like pretty carefree, easygoing. And I had a healthy, happy, uncomplicated pregnancy. But then my labor was really long and it was traumatic. It was really difficult. I thought I was going to die. And my pain and my concerns were dismissed. Oh, a first time mom, she's just going through the normal labor pains. And I knew something was wrong. 
And it was really difficult. And looking back now, I see that as the beginning of a thread of doubt that really did continue throughout my postpartum experience, like feeling like I couldn't really trust myself or my own thoughts and feelings. I was feeling like something wasn't right, but I was being told by professionals that everything was fine. So when my daughter was finally born, she wasn't breathing. She didn't breathe for almost seven minutes. And there's this whole string of events that happened between her being resuscitated, ending up in the NICU for neonatal seizures. But there's a lot of worry that comes with being in the NICU overall. And then there's a lot of worry when you get to come home. And I forgot to say, this was in 2020, right? So early COVID is the backdrop for all of this, which for sure is a big factor in my mental health. Like everyone was scared. Everyone was worried about health. And that coupled with just the really common fears that new moms have about newborn health and safety, it's really started to build. So I think it started there, just that really common fear that moms have that she would stop breathing in the night. And it was a bit of a sleep slippery slope because I could rationalize a lot of my fears and doubts. And that was it. I was really, fear and doubt is really what consumed me. Like, and the best way I can describe it is I felt every single second that went by. Like my mind was just like, I just could not turn my mind off. So it started really around when she was about two months old. And that's when I started to feel the weight of the anxiety and the everything kind of the fear and the doubt really taking over. I, I'm already like taking a ton of notes because you're bringing up so many things that I want to touch on more. I think it's really important for everyone to know, professionals, parents, new and expecting moms, that this doesn't just happen to people who are already anxious. This isn't just something that kind of exa is exacerbated when somebody is already really anxious. They already have those telltale signs and then it just like blows up and Obviously, that happens. That was my experience. I was always an anxious person. And then it just like, boom, everything just got so much worse when I had Eli. But it can happen even to those who are just chill and pretty carefree and pretty easygoing. So I think that's really important, too, that no one is immune to it. Because like you said, so many things can happen. And this dismissal of yourself and this dismissal of your experience, this kind of undermining of your experience is something that happens to so many moms and so many parents. Why do you think that is? Because that's it happened to me too. What do you think that is? It happens all the time. And I could totally see why that would be like that first little ping of doubt. I feel everything is awful and I feel so consumed mm -hmm. by this. But then this professional is telling me that everything is fine because I've been there too. Like I told my doctor that I feel terrible. I can't sleep. I'm anxious about everything. Something is wrong. And my doctor told me to just be easy on myself, right? To not put so much pressure on myself. And then started laughing and said, welcome to motherhood. Yes. Why do you think that happens? That's, Jenna, that's exactly what people told me. Welcome to motherhood. Or like when you're a mom, your heart lives outside your body. Oh, lots of moms worry. And I don't know. I think I don't know why that is. I think people are not even medical professionals, OBGYNs. They're just not educated enough about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. There's more and more information coming out, more and more awareness. But just I think the lack of understanding of how serious it is and that it's 
it could be perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, right? It could be OCD. It can be a lot more than just like a mom feeling worried, which, <laughs> yeah, I think I felt so, so like I had a really hard time describing what was going on in my brain. And it was so downplayed. Also with in my experience, it was COVID, so everyone's anxiety was heightened. No one thought it was that strange that I was worried about my baby's health because everybody was worried about health. Yeah, that really just, it's the perfect Petri dish, what you went through, like with the traumatic delivery, with the dismissal and the downplaying of your experiences from your professionals, your baby being in the NICU, then COVID. I feel like when professionals say that or when even like our friends or our family members or loved ones say that, oh, yeah, your heart lives outside of your body now. But it doesn't get better. You just get stronger. It's like, I know that your intention is to make me feel better and to commiserate, but I, I don't know how you felt. But when I was told all of those things, it felt like, okay, this is the ball and chain of my life now. Do I, mm -hmm. am I always going to feel this way? Am I always going to feel consumed by anxiety and bad feelings? Am I going to feel like you said every single moment passing me by is like this huge event? Like it felt like a, it made me feel even more so like my experience was now this ball and chain that I just had to live with for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I remember just feeling like, totally flummoxed like how can all these moms survive this like how can everyone just keep going through life feeling like this like those kind of comments made it so much worse because what I was hearing was you can't deal there's something wrong with you we're all handling this just fine and you're just not cut out for motherhood and the was, feelings that come with that right the what's wrong with me that it just rolls off my tongue now to say that because it's been such a it was such a big part of my experience like what's wrong with me that what's wrong with me that everyone else seems to have it together and I'm struggling so bad I don't know if you experienced that at all yes absolutely and I had such a hard time telling the difference between what was like being a as a first-time mom is this adjusting to motherhood am I having a hard time adjusting to motherhood or is this are these mental health symptoms? Yeah, for sure. So give us a, some more inside details. Like take us through the story of your struggle. I think mm -hmm. so many women out there, like they need those examples. Like, oh my gosh, I do that too. And I thought that I was mm -hmm. the only one. Um, yeah. I know that those are the things that really give people that like, holy cow, I'm in my car. I literally had to pull over and I cried because I thought that I was going crazy. Give us a sneak peek. What were some of the things that you did? You're explaining it so well, like you're totally nailing the experience of it. So just give us a behind the scenes of what day to day, what did that look like for you? What did that feel like for you? Yeah, I could not sleep. I, I was so exhausted, but I could not sleep. I felt that if I went to sleep, something bad would happen. And it got to where I couldn't drive with my baby in the car. I would become so convinced that I hadn't shut her door. And I would have these really vivid images of my in my head of her car seat flying out of the car. Like I would pull over multiple times. I would just be driving down the street to get coffee and I would feel like I had to pull over and check her door again. And then I'd be like, okay, I checked it, get back and start driving, pull over and be like, but I didn't check that her car seat was locked in. Did it click? I don't know if it clicked. And so I'd have to pull over again and check again and just multiple times just to check it and then doubt that I'd checked it well enough. I just, I couldn't help it. I could never 
feel sure enough. And so with, and I, I live in Los Angeles, so I didn't drive on a freeway for eight months with my daughter because it was really easy to avoid that at the time because no one was going out. So the more I avoided it, the harder it got for me to do, right? And then feeling like a lot of mental compulsions, things like a thought would come into my head of me accidentally hurting her somehow, right? Oh, what if I dropped her? What if? And then I'd be like, oh my God, why did I think that? And then I would make myself picture it just to see how upset I would be and then question if I was upset enough. Would I care if she got hurt? Would I have meant to drop her? And of course I would care if she got hurt. I was making myself sick over it. So I was just putting myself through this mental and emotional torture just constantly. And I remember being in bed just like crying, so tired, trying to resist thinking about like these horrible scenarios and just being exhausted by all the rumination, just thinking about it and thinking about it. And then there was a lot of health anxiety and uncertainty because we went, we didn't know what was going on with our seizures. So this uncertainty and fear was just like more fuel for the mental and emotional state of just like chaos. Yeah. Chaos, exhausting. And I really love what you said, like that I could never be sure enough. Like that just when you are in that moment, you can never be sure enough. Uh, there's you think in that moment okay I just gotta check one more time and then I'll be done yeah but you're never gonna be sure enough there's always one more doubt there's always one more but am I really sure and it sounds so so silly right I look back on some of the things that I used to do too I am also part of the pull over with your car with your kid in the car club like that is something that was really huge for me I always had the fear that I would leave him somewhere so as much as I didn't have the issue with the car seats and all of the specific things that you talked about, mine was, am I going to leave him somewhere? Am I going to, I think that I put him in the car, but am I so sleep deprived? Am I so out of my mind that I think that I put him in the car and I actually didn't? It's just really interesting how, and this is so important, like as a therapist too, you get it, right? Like we both had postpartum OCD, but our exposures and our triggers and our rituals probably were a lot different because you had these images of about the car seat and you had all these checking behaviors with the car seat, whereas mine was about leaving him somewhere. And I think that's really important as just a side note, because I get so many people who are like, what would some good exposures be for postpartum OCD? It's, I don't know. Like it totally depends. Like your experience yeah. varies so much from experience to experience. It's so much more nuanced than that. And yeah, like I remember I started off having to just like visually check that Eli was in the back seat, just a quick like in the rearview mirror. That felt fine, but eventually that didn't feel like it was enough because, oh my gosh, what if you're so sleep deprived that you think you saw him and you actually didn't, right? And then I needed to, I had this thing with senses, like I needed to see him and hear him and touch him and smell him. Like I needed to almost be sure that I wasn't dreaming. I actually got to the point where I would pinch myself until I bled several mm -hmm. times because I wanted to be sure that I was like here physically. And it sounds so silly now, but in the moment, it feels so real. Can you speak to that so a little real. bit? How real it feels in that moment? So real. And just like the, it, like in my head, there's like this image of a slope. Like you're at the top of it and you're like, okay, I'm sure. Like I just checked her and I'm sure I'm going to be fine now. This is fine. And then as I'm like, as time passes, I'm just, the certainty is just going down. And I just couldn't tolerate 
any uncertainty. And so it'd be like, I have to go back to the top of that slope. I have to be absolutely certain. And it does feel so real. And to your point, it feels, okay, this is going to be the last time. Like I know now for sure. And then just as time passes, it's I'm just not sure anymore. And I think what you said is a really good point about sleep deprivation being a factor, like with, especially with postpartum, just this like additional factor of unknown of, I don't know if I can trust myself because I'm not getting enough sleep. It's so easy to rationalize all these fears and doubts because you're like, maybe I just didn't get enough sleep. So I just need to check one more time. And yeah, that's, that seems Seems like there's just so many avenues for doubt. Yeah, for sure. And that leads us to the next point that I wanted to get into, which is like, how do you differentiate between kind of just being a first time mom? Like, what are normal mom worries or normal parent worries versus, okay, this is bordering the obsessive compulsive disorder range? That is such a common question that I get. I know you probably get it too. How do you differentiate? Because it's not simple. If any of this is resonating with you right now, then you need to check out the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint. The OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint is my no-holds-barred, real-talk, three-part course for action takers who want to gain control over their OCD and anxiety and take their freaking life back. It is truly recovery like you've never seen before. I made this OCD and anxiety recovery blueprint because I was sick of the same old vanilla, recycled mental health content on social media, on the internet, and I wanted to raise the bar. I wanted to create a world where people could recover for good with or without a therapist. So the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprints, you could get it all together. It's over 100 videos, over 35 hours of content, but you could also get one of its three courses. So we have the foundation, which is level one. This is where you will lay the groundwork for your recovery journey and truly step into your therapist role and realize ultimately how simple all of this can be when you commit to the process. Then level two, we have the transformation. This is where you would learn how to prevent rituals, including mental compulsions, dismantling all those other compulsions that really, really trouble you. You will come to understand that behaviors and mental compulsions are yours to control and never the other way around. Then we have the end game. This is where you will bulletproof your recovery no matter what exposures or challenges cross your path. I want you to take your life back into your own hands so OCD has nothing against you. If you want to learn more about the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint, just go to www.jennaoverbaughtlpc.com slash blueprint or head to the link in my show notes. I don't do vanilla. I don't do what's your subtype. I rip open the freaking curtains and take you into the inner workings of my mind and education so you can know this as well as I do. So again, to learn more about the blueprint, go to www.jennaoverbotlpc.com slash blueprint or head to the show notes and click the link below. Yeah, it's not simple. And it's also hard because you don't know what's going on in someone's brain, right? Like I said, it was really hard for me to describe what was happening in my mind. And it wasn't obvious, right? Like some compulsions might be more obvious. And for me, it was a lot of mental rumination and compulsions. And I think it is hard to know what's going on in someone's brain. And I always tell moms, if you feel like if you're not feeling like yourself, you do not need to meet a diagnosis to get help from a therapist. You do not need to be, especially with OCD, you do not need to be sure that you have OCD or anxiety to to benefit from help. So coming in 
if you're not feeling like yourself or if your thoughts are bothering you, reach out for support and you can work with a therapist to to feel better. You don't have to suffer. Yeah, that is pretty much what I would say too, along the lines of we always, whether it's like contamination OCD or postpartum OCD or whatever it is, I get that question all the time of, is this normal? Like, how do I tell? Especially if you are like venturing towards that area where it is starting to cause you a lot of distress and impairment. I always encourage people to ask themselves, like, instead of asking yourself what's normal, because who knows what normal is, right? Like, we don't know what's normal. We don't know the normal amounts to wash your hands. We don't know the normal amount of times to check your baby. We don't know the normal amount of times to check your car seat. Like, we don't have this atlas of normal behavior and what is normal for this situation and blah, blah, blah. That would be so easy. That would make our recovery process so much easier. The thing that I've ever come close to is with COVID, right? Like mm-hmm. into COVID, I would get a lot of people who would ask me, what's the normal amount of time to wash your hands? What's an OCD hand wash versus a normal hand wash? And luckily when COVID was happening, we had the CDC guidelines, right? So we would always tell people, wash your hands according to the CDC guidelines. If CDC says wash your hands for 30 seconds, OCD owns the 31st second. But we don't have that for everything. We don't have that for putting your kid in the car seat. We don't have that for all these other things, checking your baby at night when they're sleeping. So it's really hard. I always tell people to ask themselves, what's good for my recovery? What's going to be good for my future experience? What's good for my future self versus what's normal? Because you're never going to win asking yourself what's normal, especially when you're in that doubtful spot you're not able to really evaluate properly what's normal versus what's not. And we don't really even know what that is anyway. So I don't know if you have any additional thoughts about that. Yeah, totally. And especially in postpartum, like everything is new. So you really don't have a baseline. Like you don't, I feel like that was my experience where I was like, is this, is this just motherhood or is this something else? Because I don't feel like myself, but I also know that I just, went through this hugely transformative event of becoming a mother. So I can't tell, like, what's my baseline. I think it's particularly a little more complicated in postpartum. Absolutely. So what was the point for you? And sometimes it happens to people, right, where, like, they hit a bottom and they realize that they need help. Other people, it's more of, like, a gradual process. But take us through your experience of, okay, you're really struggling it's just getting worse and worse. You are not able to achieve that slope. You're starting to put some things together. Like you are just consumed by your anxiety. What happened? What was the turning point for you to eventually be able to get to the point where you're at today? Yeah, the fear of something happening to my baby was huge, but there was also this new feeling of my thoughts were so powerful. I, I believe if I think something, it's more likely to happen. Or if I'm not 100% sure of something, it might not be real. So that need for clarity and reassurance and like searching for that all the time, that is what led me to seeking out support. So I had this experience where, so it was like a combination of things. So that just like, I'm so exhausted. I feel like I can't find, I can't ever turn off my brain. I can't ever rest. Like I need some help with this. That coupled with, I had this experience with my sister. She has four kids and I was just talking to her and describing some of what was going on in my brain with the intrusive thoughts about something happening to my baby. And I described to her and 
detail what was happening in my brain and me thinking, oh, everybody goes through this. She's definitely experienced this. And she just had this look of horror and empathy on her face of just and said, I'm so sorry. That sounds so scary. And that was a big turning point for me where I was like, oh, this is not just normal first time mom stuff. Like something is really going on here. And so those kind of two experiences coupled led me to therapy. And I initially I just began with talk therapy and that was not helpful for me at all. Like it just fueled that rumination, right? So because I could just talk for hours and go around and around trying to find clarity and it was exhausting. And so an SSRI helped turn the volume down a little bit. And I found you, Jenna, on Instagram through like the magic of the Instagram algorithm. (laughs) Just, yeah, that magic. And then a couple of other accounts where, you know, I didn't know I was dealing with OCD at the time. And you've talked about this, Jenna, the difference between generalized anxiety disorder and OCD, it doesn't always matter. But for me, knowing I was dealing with OCD, it was this huge like relief. Like I could see the way my brain was functioning, understand why it was so uncomfortable for me to have any kind of uncertainty, what was driving my behavior. And my brain loved that, right? Like that certainty, that clear answer. And all of that, like the avoidance, seeking reassurance, mental compulsions taking over my life, I think if I'd gotten a diagnosis of OCD sooner, that would have relieved so much of my suffering. But yeah, those were the things that. That's amazing. Isn't it wild how it's like a tiny Instagram post, whatever it is, right? Like it just, it unlocks so much for you. I have had those experiences myself. Like for me, it was a podcast. I found a podcast when I was really struggling and it talked just about all of these things. And it really started to get me to have that experience of, wow, okay, so maybe something's not just wrong with me. <laughs> like this mm-hmm. that is so much bigger and we're just not talking about it enough. And I think that goes back to other things that we've talked about, right? There's something almost, I don't know if it's like misogynistic or <laughs> it's toxic positivity, but there are so many women who struggle with this. My experience has always been I can be in a group of women and I run a local mom group here. And so I have direct experience with this. Like we can all be chatting and like talking about very superficial things, like planning our birthday parties and uh, and Pinterest and blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as I say something just conversationally, or we have a group discussion about it and I talk about my intrusive thoughts, it's suddenly, oh yeah, me too. Oh my gosh. I thought I was the only one. And it's where the hell have you been? Like, where the hell have you been? Like you were the one telling me that oh my gosh don't you just love every single moment and I'm sitting there saying back to you oh yeah it's amazing but on the inside I'm like no I actually fucking hate a lot of it because I'm terrifying right like yeah why I don't know I just hope that we can have more of these conversations because it's not just you and me like this is not even I think the minority of women I think Mm -hmm. that this is happening to a lot of women and we just aren't able to talk about it and so we struggle and we don't know what the hell is going on with us. And so we just struggle and we just put on a happy face. Oh, totally. And I think across the board, I so relate to what you're saying and have had those experiences too, where I'm like, where the hell have you been? Yes. Why didn't you tell? Why didn't anyone tell me? Why, I didn't have to be blindsided. Let's share information here. Let's be honest about 
what's happening. And I felt that way about birth too, that like I, after a traumatic birth where I was like, no one told me this could happen. And then talking with women in my life and being like, you had a traumatic birth. Like, why didn't you tell me? Like, why didn't anyone share that their experience? And yeah, I think you're right. It's a powerful mix of misogyny and toxic positivity and this cult of the perfect mother. And you need to be a certain way and you need to look effortless. And yeah, it's a total disservice to all of us. So now really everything I do is aimed at blowing that up for new moms. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not a bad mom. You have a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder, or you're dealing with the effects of trauma, or there's nothing wrong with you. You don't have the right support or the systems are failing you. We've been set up to fail at returning to work or being a working parent or being a perfect parent or whatever it is. It might look different from my experience or your experience, but so many moms experience that. Of, there's something wrong with me. No, there's not something wrong with you. You're being set up to fail. And it's a losing game, right? There's so much room for failure if that's how you look at it, right? And that's how when it comes to OCD and it comes to doubt, like we do tend to, unless we put effort into doing it otherwise, like we tend to look at all the ways that we're failing. We tend to catastrophize. We tend to disqualify the positive, right? And objectively, across the board on paper, I'm probably an excellent mom. My son is kind. He's behaved in school. He is a great person. He's very smart. He's healthy. But me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I went to the gym this morning instead of helping him out the door. And that's all we think about, right? They're so complicated. Like raising another human is so complex and it's really difficult too because I don't know if this is how you were or anybody else out there listening I was always very academically driven like I was used to getting A's and 4.0s and raises at work and this new title at work for good performance and then when you become a mom you don't get any of that you don't get this like gold star you don't get this report card every month for how well you're doing in fact you probably the opposite where like my son will tell me that I'm so mean to him because the other day he ran out into the street and almost got hit by a car and he didn't like the fact that I screamed his name to get him to come back. He said that I was mean and he didn't have any care in the world that he almost got run over by a car. And it's like you, it just challenges you in every way possible. And we can't possibly win if we are winning the way that OCD wants us to win, which is to have absolute certainty, to have perfection. If those are our standards, we are going to co continually be disappointed with ourselves. Yeah. And to your point, so much of life before parenthood is like you put in the input, you get the output. You put in the work, you get the result. And it's mostly pretty clear cut. And when you're dealing with raising a human, it's not so clear. It's not like if I do X, Y, Z, my baby will sleep. Or if I do X, Y, Z, like, and so it, it's pulled up. Like, and I used, when I first started working with moms, I, I was, oh, there's this type that's coming in for therapy or, or there's this type that's struggling in early parenthood. And it's this like high achieving type A wanting mom, wanting to, to, to do parenthood well. Right. And then over time realized that's all of us. We are, most women are very type A wanting to, and it's our socialization. And it's just the chaos that, that parenting throws you into 
it's a huge adjustment. It's a huge transition to go from thinking, if I do this, then I'll get this result into you do your best and you are, you shoot for good enough parent, right? Versus a perfect parent. Yeah. That shooting for good enough versus perfect was something that really helped me shift. It's something that I have to be okay with every single day because when my OCD was really bad and I still struggle with it from time to time, like trying to be that perfect parent and trying to like be 100% sure, it made me not my authentic self. I could go into a million different examples, but just even reading a book to Eli, I felt like I had to read every single word. I remember even reading to him like the copyright information, like how ridiculous, right? I felt like I had to read him every single page and every single book to make sure that he developed and he got enough of that reading time and it sounds so ridiculous but but that's not authentic right doing that is just not authentic it's not what he needs like to try to be that 100% perfect thing person mom whatever you're going to sacrifice some of that authenticity and I have always thought I would rather Eli get a, an 80% perfect but 100% actual me version of myself versus 100% perfection which is not attainable anyway And it's not me. Oh my gosh. So let's wrap up really quickly by talking about, I would love for you to name just like a couple of things that really helped you and your journey as we wrap up here. Yeah, I think a a big thing really was an SSRI medication. And I was really resistant to that in the beginning as a lot of moms are, particularly if you're breastfeeding, because there's concerns about, you have concerns about, I want to do the best thing or I want to be able to do this on my own without medication. But that was something that was really supportive to me. And just being able to name what was going on with me and get help specifically for what I was going through. So finding a therapist that could really address what I was struggling with were two things that were super helpful for me. And then getting into a peer support group was really helpful. I joined a couple of different peer support groups, one for NICU parents, one for birth trauma, and then one for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And again, going back to you're not alone and you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. Other people are going through this. That kind of support was super helpful for me. Amazing. Yeah, totally helpful. I would agree on all accounts. All of those things I would, I found helpful in my own journey as well. So would totally recommend for anybody out there to just look into, talk to your doctor about, see what's available around you. Molly, this was such a great conversation, just like personally, myself, but also professionally to just be able to talk about these topics a little bit more, get more resources out there to people. I would love for those who want to continue learning about you and maybe connect with you a little bit more. Why don't you tell our audience where they can find you? Yeah, thank you, Jenna. I've loved this conversation. I feel like I could just talk to you all day. This has been really fun. So I have a private practice in Long Beach, California, focused exclusively on postpartum and early parenting. And I have a newly launched podcast called Our First Year, where I interview moms about their first year of motherhood. And I have a free weekly email called This Made Me Think of You that I send out. It's a roundup of all the things I saw, heard, and read every week that made me think of the moms who are in it right now. So it's full circle, getting to give some of the support that I needed when I was in that space. And you can find more about all of this and you can find me on Instagram. That's the best place, like kind of the landing page at poppy.therapy. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. I will make sure that I put all those resources in the show notes. Molly, thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.